Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of AW Weekly. We have a very, very epic edition of AW Dynamite to talk about tonight. It was Road Rager live from Miami. They are back on the road with fans. It was so cool. We had like a proper dynamite setback. It was so awesome. It just felt properly like everything is back again. Like it felt properly like we're back to the dynamites that we had before. And that is really, really good. And it's it's going to be awesome to see them in a totally different state next week as well. Like it's just things are getting really exciting again. They really, really are. And we are going to talk about Dynamite live from Miami. But what a week it has been. It has been quite the week for me. It has been a very, very busy week for me. And, you know, there's been been good and bad things. I'm, of course, in London. And oh, football fever has taken over the whole city. And now the entire country of England, where I live, because England are in the final. So if you're someone like me, who A, isn't English, and B, has no interest in football, you you can't escape it. It's absolutely everywhere. But I did. So this weekend, I will not be going out. I will be avoiding absolutely everything because there's going to be win or lose, like absolute parties on the street. I know it. So <laughs> I will be, there's no way I'm especially going out in central London with all that going on. Um, no, <laughs> but I did go out. I went out last this weekend that just passed instead. And I do have a football story. And I mentioned this on Twitter and some people were asking me to tell the story of what happened. So I will tell you guys, I was in Leicester Square um, on Friday night, last Friday night, and all the football fans were crowding around Leicester Square, having a big party, pre-game party, and I was walking down the street. I was actually walking to the Hard Rock Cafe uh, because I love Hard Rock Cafes so much. <laughs> I love it. Uh, side note, Went to the Hard Rock Cafe. It was awesome. They played Guns N' Roses. That's all I need. I need uh, chicken, um, cocktails, and Guns N' Roses, and then I'm happy. So I was walking to Hard Rock Cafe, and these guys were, like, playing football on the street. And this ball just comes towards me, and I don't know what took over me. It was like the spirit of Ronaldo was inside me. And I kicked the ball, like a side kick, not even like full on. The ball came to my side. I put my foot out, kicked it. It went back into the group of guys playing the game. And the whole of Leicester Square, no joke, erupted and cheered for me. And even this man ran up and hugged me, which I wasn't into because, you know, COVID. But like the pop was huge. It was 100% the biggest pop I've ever received in my life and I felt like I felt like I, I just made I felt like I just debuted I felt like I felt like Tommy End um yeah that was a, a bizarre football related thing to happen to me but yeah Wednesday night when the England game was on um 
my neighbors, I could hear a lot of them reacting to it. So I reacted to to dynamite extra loud. And if you want to like really get back at someone, it's like dynamite. It's good because that's at 1 a.m. So by then everyone's completely asleep. So it's just me being like, ah, uh, and there were a lot of good things to react to on this week's Dynamite. Um, in less fun news, another thing that happened to me this week. So I got a new bank card being delivered to my house and some unmentionable, some absolute piece of trash stole it. Like just must have taken the letter with the card in it. And for the past two days, luckily the card is not activated, so they can't use it. For the past two days, this piece of trash has been trying to use my card in like all different local shops. So this person tried to spend it in Little, which is like a kind of cheap supermarket um, in London. They tried to spend it to get on the bus. These things didn't work. And these were only like small transactions. They go home. They go online to some website, some store, and try and spend two hundred pounds on it. I was just looking at this, like I was just getting these notifications, like, "Dude, give up, give up!" But luckily, luckily, they're not. They weren't able to use my card. They continued to try though, because last night at eleven thirty p.m., they were down in an off license. First, trying to spend twenty pounds. Then, when that got rejected, trying to spend three pounds. So I guess they think that I'm just like completely broke. But the actual thing is, yeah, my card's not activated. So anyway, if I find out who did this, I actually, because I can't I can't let things go in life and I love a good investigation, what they tried to get on a bus as well after 11 um, last night. And I like Googled the distance between the last shop they were in and my house. And I did like wait outside my building for about 10 minutes to see who would show up and that would probably give me an indication on who this wannabe thief is but if I catch the culprit I'll let you guys know but they're not getting anything from me you cannot steal from this dynamite I don't I don't let people get away with it don't forget to subscribe and if you enjoy the podcast want to keep it going you can donate via the host red circle first a bit of news that I just wanted to touch on because it spoke to my heart and who I am as a person. So this week, Tony Khan said in an interview that he <laughs> got a refund for the pyrotechnics that didn't go off for the exploding barbed wire match. He said, here's a quote from Big TK. I was trying to be too safe and I let the professionals handle the stuff and they are guys who don't understand wrestling. It was professional pyrotechnic guys. They totally beep the bed. These guys, I ended up not paying them. It was like $100,000 they ended up refunding for all the expenses of the match. So I didn't end up paying for the exploding barbed wire death match, which I shouldn't have. They screwed up royally. I love this story because I am a refund queen. I can absolutely wrangle a refund out of anything. I've actually just finished a week-long war with Just Eat, who um, I asked for a cash refund from them for some food that took too long to come. They credited my account. Then I tried to get my, then I said, no, I told you I would not accept credit. I will only take cash. Um, absolutely not, because I don't want to use your service again. And they said, we're really sorry. Once we put credit into the account, we can't go back on that. You have it. So then there were 
back and forth, back and forth until finally they were just like, hey, you know what? You can keep the credit in your account and you can have a cash refund as well. So I am the refund queen and I'm very happy to know that Tony Khan is also obviously good at getting refunds because that's awesome that he didn't pay for those pyrotechnics. But let's get into dynamite. I love this dynamite so much. I've actually never, like, I was so excited to do this show today. I was so, so, like, once Dynamite finished, I just was thinking I can't wait to do AEW Weekly because I can't wait to talk about this. Uh, Bill's Mafia channel member, hello, says, love it. Many people give up too fast. That is true. Many people do give up too fast when they are trying to get a refund. You got to keep on them. You got to keep on them. You got to keep on them. I mean, I, I can't even go into all the refunds I've got in my life. I once got a refund from MAC Makeup because um, um, I was a goth and they sold me foundation that was too orange. Obviously, I've changed uh, the makeup I wear now and that would be okay for me. But you can get a refund on anything if you try hard enough. Uh, hello, hello, hello to MassGamer99. Oh, my God. I just saw a certain someone, RevPro, good vibes. Yeah, Rev, the RevPro show from the weekend that I was at is up now on RevPro On Demand. Such great fun, really great show, awesome, awesome main event. A surprise appearance by someone who has returned to RevPro. Um, great to be there. I will be in Bristol in just over a week for RevPro. Let's do it. Dynamite, dynamite, dynamite. Open with a South Beach strap match. Cody Rhodes with Arn Anderson against QT Marshall with Aaron Solo and Nick Comorato. QT Marshall did not get an entrance. He was already in the ring, just biding his time while we had the open of dynamite with the Cody entrance. Um, I will say Cody entrance is a good one to open dynamite with. I think you got to open with either Hangman Page entrance, Cody Rhodes entrance, or Chris Jericho entrance. Um, as Matthew says, QT got the jobber entrance. He did indeed, per man, per man. I've been watching too much Seinfeld and QT is starting to give me George Costanza vibes. Cody, yeah, big entrance. This was a four corner touch um, rules strap match. So here's how we got to the end of this. Cody went for a top rope Frankensteiner. Marshall counted that into a powerbomb. Cody stopped Marshall from touching all four corners. So Marshall hit a diamond cutter. Marshall touched three, but Cody forced an interruption and, and got a whipping. Cody fired up and demanded that Marshall hit him before making his comeback and running wild with strikes. And then he hit the Cody cutter in the center of the ring. Arn called out for the end. Cody hit three. Marshall tried to interrupt. Cody low blowed him. He spat in Cody's face and got crossroads by Cody, allowing Cody to touch all four turnbuckles for the win. There we go. Is this the end of the QT Marshall Cody Rhodes feud? Well, a little something happened later on this dynamite that makes me think that this is the end for the QT Marshall and Cody Rhodes feud. It's been an interesting to say the least because it, we've talked about it a lot. We really have. But it started off with Cody and QT were friends. Then they had to sell us on their friendship a little bit more. And then 
QT turned on Cody because everybody turns on Cody and that's that's what life is in AEW. You will eventually turn on Cody Rhodes if you've ever had a friendship with him. And then QT, you know, he took his uh, Nightmare family students and made a factory where you had Aaron Solo, Nick Comorado, and you also had Anthony Agogo. And of course, Anthony Agogo, ex-Olympian, The next thing, you know, we have Cody and QT feuding like, oh, we were friends. We're not friends. Like, you know, I've been in your shadow, but I'm a great trainer. You know, I won't fight my friend. Yes, I will. All that stuff. We had all that stuff. And then we have like a a harsh pivot to Cody versus Anthony Agogo, where all of a sudden it's USA versus UK. So instead of it being QT falling out with his best friend and saying like, I have this freaking ex-boxer with me that'll kick your ass. It turned into this whole UK versus US thing, which totally took away from, like took us really far down, down the path away from the original feud. And then of course we had Cody beating Anthony Agogo, which we don't need to go into anymore. Uh, and then Agogo did pretty much get the victory like the next week in the tag match, but that doesn't really count, does it? And then we, then Cody, you know, goes off because he's had a life and he he's just become a dad. And then all of a sudden we're back to a strap match with QT. And now it looks like the feud's totally over because during this match, the lights went out, but we'll not talk about why the lights went out until we get to it. But yeah, so I guess this is the end of the Cody QT feud. And maybe, like, I don't know what's going to happen to QT and the factory going forward because I'm not sure that this did a job of getting anyone over, not even Anthony Agogo, because he did take that loss. So we'll see what happens next. But Cody, it looks as if he's moving on. What um, did you guys think to know? QT made a really nice adjustment on the top rope. Cody cutter to take the move as Cody was way off on where he should have been. Thing about QT, of course, he's a great, great trainer. Um, truly, because the the talent that has been coming out of coming to AEW that have been trained by QT is is excellent. So yeah, he's technically incredibly sad, so it doesn't surprise me that he was able to make that adjustment. Uh, Wasabi King, I don't think anyone should feel that QT can't wrestle. He just does nothing for me, almost uh, channel-changing heat. Um, QT absolutely can wrestle, but it's the, the character that he's in, you know. Bills Mafia, channel member, one of the better strap matches I've seen, but just didn't care for it. What happens later in the show, however, is the important stuff I was saying Cody needed to be in. So, Let's move on and make our way towards the other big incidents of the show. We next had a Sean Spears promo. He addressed Sammy Guevara, saying it was Guevara's ego that got him in trouble last week. But then he was interrupted by Guevara getting him with a chair, who said, this is far from over. So Sammy, obviously, he lost last week in his match to MJF. You know that I am a big Sammy fan, but I know that he had to lose because MJF is the leader of the pinnacle. But I think pivoting then him to a feud with Sean Spears, as we have Jericho now paired up with MJF, is a really good idea because he can absolutely get a victory on Sean Spears. Uh, absolutely. So I'm happy. I'm happy with the direction that they're taking Sammy in. Um, okay, next we had one of my 
favorite bits from the show. Not my favorite bit though, but one of them stacked show. So there's going to be a lot. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page doing a promo. Uh, Kenny Omega and Don Callis. They came out introduced by Tony Schiavone, but Don Callis was like, go away, Shivani. He took the mic. Uh, we had You Got Fired chance from the crowd. See, we have some impact uh, viewers in the crowd there. That's a reference to the storyline that's going down there. Um, he, oh, Don Callis said, real men don't quit. They get fired. Uh, we had then Callis running down the list of AW World Championship challengers that Kenny Omega has beaten. It's everyone from Moxley to Jungle Boy. So they have a problem. They have beaten everybody and there is no one left. The crowd starts chanting, we want Hangman. And then the Dark Order's music played. And we have Evil Uno once again coming out. He had a jacket with him, but he uh, it was hot in Miami. <laughs> uh, so he handed that off to uh, Alex Reynolds. He went to the ring and he said that he wants to know why Kenny Omega and Don Callis are ignoring the crowd and why Omega is afraid of his fan. We had cowboy rude word chants coming up. And then Omega asked Evil Uno what the capital of Thailand is. And of course, the capital of Thailand is Bangkok, baby. And he kicked Evil Uno in the crotch. The Dark Order ran in, but the Good Brothers and Michael Nakazawa came out and attacked them. Then we had the music of Hagman Page playing, and what a pop he got as he ran to the ring uh, to help out the Dark Order. He hit Michael Nakazawa, who fell into Omega, knocking Omega down. He took out both the Good Brothers. Then Omega was alone in the ring with Paige. Paige was in a perfect position for the buckshot lariat, but he didn't hit it. Instead, he got in the ring. They faced each other, and then Carl Anderson distracted, allowing Omega to escape to the ramp. So much to say about this. It's happening. The storyline that we have all been wanting to see has been happening. Uh, Bill's Mafia channel member says, mega over, you love to see it. He is so over, is the handsome cowboy, um, Hangman Page, Matthew McCoskey. They're also talking about the pop that we got for Hangman, can't wait for Chicago. Yeah. Um, firstly, props once again to uh, Evil Uno, who did an awesome performance. As I said last week, U Evil Uno has one of the best voices in AEW. He's only beaten by Luther on the great voice category, but he, it's like, he talks like a Sesame Street character, and I don't mean that as a knock at all. Um, I mean that as a really, really, really great uh, thing. <laughs> he is um, absolutely awesome, and he's so good in this role because the way he speaks, like the kind of cadence of his voice, he just sounds like he really cares for Hangman so much, and that's so cool. But this is something that they they shocked us really by starting it this week or last week, and last week we did not see Hangman Page come to the ring this week. He went face to face with Kenny. Ah, it's so, so, so good. And I love how excited all of you are. Let me see what uh, some of you are saying. Um, Bill's Mafia channel member. Everything they have done with both groups so far has been awesome. I cannot wait to hear what Hangman says not next week at this sold out Texas show. Yes, we are in Texas. What a great place for the cowboy 
to speak. Crowd, um, ABB says the crowd rumble when Paige was on the apron, that revolution callback. Indeed, indeed, a callback to one of the great moments of storytelling in AEW history. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, um, Mikas, for uh, editing out the, the bad words there on the YouTube. <laughs> uh, Matthew Makovsky says, I really hope they don't touch until the first match. Please let them touch. Please let them touch uh, lest the second introduction happen. They explode. I hope they don't um, touch until the first match either. Um, Ibby B says, remember at Revolution when everyone was screaming no when he was on the apron? And a year and a half later, everyone was going crazy for him to hit it. Love it. Absolutely love it. What a difference. What a difference. Some time makes there. Tanol says, can you imagine where we'd be if AW had gone through with the hangman turn 18 months ago and had him hit Omega with a buckshot around the time of Revolution 2020? Whoa, a change in fortune. Yeah, that was not the time for it. This this slow burn uh, storyline has been so great. I hope, I hope they make um, another video to Cinderella about this. I think they can use Nobody's Fool this time after Don't Know What You've Got Till It's Gone being used before. ABB says, another thing I believe was it started this early because of all out tickets going on sale and it works for Dark Order versus Super Elite at Fight for the Fallen. Um, yeah. Um, absolutely. I think that the, the tickets going on sale is a big thing. Uh, this pay-per-view is going to be absolutely huge um if this match is on it um rest wasabi king says if the title match takes place on all out and hangman wins it would be the end of a 32 month story bill beginning with the aw announcement press conference in january 29 long term storyline uh storytelling yeah and i mean i don't want to plug myself again but if you go and you listen to my meet miss dynamite podcast you will know how much I love the way AEW tells storylines and how invested that has made me and why that is why I am here doing this show with you right now is how AEW do their storylines. I've said it before, I could never do um, a one hour weekly show, especially on my own about WWE because the storytelling is just not the same. And in it for Dynamite, we have so much to talk about every single time and this storyline is a perfect example of how of why AEW is so brilliant uh last comment here on the page stuff um matthew says hangman obviously needs to win the title but then ruin his moment by having mjf beat him within two months is a shock moment hangman will eventually get a second reign and hold it for a while matthew honey that that is a hot take and it's so hot that I'm like, ah, I don't want it. I don't want that to happen. I, I, I can't, I cannot have that happen. I cannot have MJF of all people taking the title from Hangman. No, no, no. <laughs> Matthew, I love you, but no, that was the worst thing you've ever said. <laughs> worst Ibby says Matthew you evil man what a heel turn guys what a heel turn from our dear friend Matthew Makovsky heel turn you trying to be the, the MJF of this of this show let's move on before Matthew has a chance to defend himself you know what MJF will win the title one day he will but not after Hangman's only had it for two months come on give the guy some time to sleep next to that gold belt
Uh, next up, we had Darby Allen and Ethan Page in an interview with Jim Ross. Um, interesting setup because I'm really glad that last week Ethan Page was uh, said that Darby will only get the coffin match if he doesn't touch him. Because if they hadn't done that, my first thought with them sitting like this would be, why are you guys not fighting? Why are you just sitting so calmly? But they're sitting calmly because Darby agreed to that stipulation. And Darby wants Ethan in this coffin match. So he is not going to risk it by... Um, you know, by attacking Ethan or anything like that. So JR said that he was uncomfortable because both these men have talked about ending the other's career. Uh, Ethan Page didn't see anything wrong with it. Um, Alan said Page was angry beca because of how much Alan had accomplished in a short time because his first year in wrestling was Ethan's 12th. He said that Ethan was complacent as a big fish in a little pond and that Alan made it to AEW before him and that angered Page. Page said that he plucked Darby Allen from obscurity. He brought Allen in and up from professional wrestling. Next week in the coffin match, he's going to take Allen out. JR closed by saying he doesn't have a good feeling about the situation. Um, yeah, JR was really good in this interview, and both guys were really, really good as well. Darby has a very unwrestling promo style. Uh, one thing I'll say about Darby, why am I so obsessed with people's voices? But I am. Darby Allen talks like Kurt Cobain, and I felt that when I interviewed him, I was sitting thinking, like, where do I know this voice from? He talks exactly like Kurt Cobain. And I love the way Darby says Ethan. There's something about his accent that just works with that name. It just sounds very pleasing to the ear to hear Darby Allen say Ethan. But yeah, I think these guys did a really good job. Uh, Darby, he does not do promos in a traditional wrestling style, but Ethan works really, really well with him and kind of managing how to be a wrestler in the traditional promo sense in the against someone like a Darby Allen who's more chill and like measured with how he talks and I also think this was the best that Page had sounded in the mic I think a lot of people that aren't familiar with Ethan Page's work he's a guy that comes into the company with a reputation of being a good talker I'm not sure that we've actually seen that from his time in AEW so far but this was his top uh, promo moment so far in the company. Bill's Mafia a channel member says, Darby is great when he is short and speak like that. Yeah, he is. Darby is not a guy that's going to do you an, an MJF um, style, long-winded promo. He's just, yeah. Um, Ibby B says, I really love the diverse range of promos and tones and people's voices across the card. Everyone feels different. They do. Everyone feels different. It's not the WWE uh, cookie cutter style where you all have to talk in the same promo way. And it's all just like so fake. It all just sounds like big men trying to talk like big men, if you know what I mean, or one man's idea of a big man. And it's just bad. But here in AW, everyone gets to be themselves with the way that they talk in their promos. And that's really, really great. Tanol says, to me, this was Ego's biggest moment so far in Dynamite. And next week will be his true test of whether or not he can be a top guy short and long term. It will be a big test next week. I'm very excited for that match. Bill's Mafia channel member says, such an easy concept. Let the talent be talented. Uh, yes, that is that is the concept. Let's move on to the faction wars that are happening between the pinnacle and the inner circle. We had a six man, the pinnacle representing the pinnacle, Dax Harwood, Cash Wheeler and Wardlow. With Tully Blanchard, uh, they were against the inner circle Santana or Ortiz and Jake Hager, who had Conan 
with them. Nice to see Conan back on Dynamite. As we got to the end of this match, we saw Wheeler counter the Hager bomb. So Hager put on the ankle lock. Harwood broke it up, um, but ran into a big boot. Hager called out for Wardlow, who was tagged in. They traded right hands in the center of the ring. Hager escaped out of a suplex, went to the ankle lock, but FTR entered the ring on a distraction from Tully, hitting the big ring for an out-of-nowhere victory. Conan took took a chance attacking Wardlow after the match, but Tully chop blocked him from behind. I thought this was very good. Uh, of course, you know how much I love the inner circle um, and how much I think that it's all elite Wardlow. <laughs> um, I thought this was a good performance uh, from him again. I think him and Jake Hager have really great chemistry. I thought this was one of uh, Jake Hager's best performances as well as i was saying on wrestling daily i think that with hager is someone that when he has one really good week he follows it up with with more it's as if he needs that kind of confidence boost to keep him going and he had such a good match in the cage with wardlow that he was he was really great like bills mafia says hager looked great in this um specifically uh he did indeed um Meekup says i'm ready for wardlow hager th three what say you, Steph? I am always ready for Wardlow Hager. Always ready for Wardlow Hager. Um, Ivy says they kept the FTR proud and powerful action to minimum. Those absolute teases. I need that to open Fighter Fest night two. I do not want to wait. Anime says, does anyone else think the Pinnacles theme sounds like it would suit a baby face more? Uh, I haven't really thought about it. I can't say that the Pinnacles theme is one that has gotten into my head that much so i'm not sure i'm not sure um carissa says hager stood out to be the most of this match what a performance yes so i can't wait till we get just uh ftr versus santana Ortiz. i think it's going to be brilliant i think the addition of conan to their presentation has been awesome especially because we have tully and you need you know the santana and ortiz of course they're part of the inner circle we have we have chris jericho in the inner circle but he's not gonna you know, be there to stand at, at ringside with his guys and Hager is a wrestler himself, uh, and you know Wardlow is like his opposite. So I think it's really cool that they brought in another like pure manager to be an opposite of Tully. It's really, um, it's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, Tanol says Wardlow no selling the shot from Conan and giving him that death star was everything. And then when he ripped off his hair tie, forget about it. We'll talk more about Wardlow in a minute, though. We'll. I've got more to say by Mister Mayhem. Uh, as we go through the show. Next up, we had a very exciting announcement. This took me by surprise so much. And wow, we had Carl Anderson cutting a promo. He said John Moxley has been a big problem for the Good Brothers. He then challenged Moxley to an IWGP United States Championship match for next week, Fighter Fest Night One. Oh my gosh, the IWGP United States Championship is going to be defended on a dynamite. And it's Carl Machine Gun Anderson getting the shot. Love this so much. I think Carl Anderson is highly underrated as a singles wrestler because he's become so much part uh, of the Good Brothers and people knowing him as one half of the Good Brothers, but he's a great singles wrestler before he ever met Gallows. He was great in New Japan as well. He he has had his G1 runs. They're all tattooed on him. And this is going to be really awesome. And it is the return of John Moxley to 
Dynamite, new dad, John Moxley. Matthew says, this one, this absolutely took me by surprise. I genuinely reacted with all caps curse words. Well, thank you for not typing them up on the YouTube. Uh, Bills Mafia says, love this. I will take all the singles matches I can from the machine gun. Yeah, me too. Uh, great, great singles wrestler. And uh, that's why his tag team works so well with, with Luke Gallows. Gallows not like technically the best wrestler, but he has so much charisma and he's just so fun and entertaining to watch. And then you pair him with uh, Carl Anderson, who is technically good in the ring. And then like the person, the personality that Gallows has brings out more personality in Carl Anderson because he raises himself up to that level uh, they're a great team but it is so cool to see the machine gun get a shot here at moxley's championship match um carissa says death rider versus machine gun i'm here for it we are all here for it Abby says i need a segment in the coming weeks of moxley talking to hangman to light some fire under him to believe in himself that would be a nice little um thing to see uh an interaction between hangman and moxley however the only counter I will say to that is I think the only people that should be motivating the hangman are the Dark Order just because they have that proper solid friendship with him. And I feel that if if your best friends can't be the ones to like big you up and motivate you, I don't know if you should be really getting it from like more of an outsider. But then at the same time, sometimes when, you know, when, when your friends say to you, oh, you're really good at this like you're really talented you sometimes feel like like when your family say it that you're just saying that because you're my friends type thing like you kind of struggle to believe it and then when some randomer tells you that you're that you're great you maybe believe that more so I've I've talked myself into being down for your idea uh Ibby <laughs> I've talked myself into it um to Noel says uh can't believe no, Chanel says, I'm surprised Moxley is coming back already, but I can't say I'm complaining about it. Wild thing should be how the show opens next week. If, yeah, that would be a really good match to open the show with. Wild thing in Texas. Matthew says, get me shooter in the US next week if that can happen. Honey, I got the inside track on that and that ain't happening. <laughs> we have we have the shooter for now. We have the shooter for now. Um, you know, what it took to get him over, he ain't leaving after a week. I want to see Dark Order tree and Hangman like Rocky Forest is Bill's Mafia. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. The next the next segment we talk about is my favorite segment on the show need to find myself already this was epic it was so good let's get into it i will go through what happened and then go through my feelings firstly mjf made his entrance and then we went to a break and i actually think at one point uh so i was of course watching the fight tv feed um i don't i don't know if mjf was talking to the audience when the commercial break was happening but it felt like he might have because there was a bit where the audio cut in for just one second and it seemed like it was mjf's um mjf's voice that you could hear but anyway MJF comes out, we go to commercial break. Then we have Jericho with his Judas entrance. He comes down, gets into the ring, and then all of a sudden, there's a kerfuffle where you see Jericho go and basically hit a, a an, an unknown person. You couldn't really see what was happening. 
what we learned is a fan tried to enter the ring. A fan tried to enter the ring and Jericho, old school guy, took him down. The security, they were, the security guard, he, he got involved, but he was struggling. Jericho came in like the hero we all need. He knocked, he knocked this guy. He knocked him like he was a St. Louis photographer and Jericho was Axl Rose. It was, and I have to say, my mom has told me to make this disclaimer. I do not condone violence, but this was cool. <laughs> this was cool. And, you know, if you're going to be the idiot when we're finally back on the road, we finally back have fans, you're going to be the idiot that's going to jump and try and get involved in the show? No, no, no. No, you don't need, don't come to an AEW show and try and get attention uh, like that in the middle of the show. Uh, the idiots on Twitter are boasting, well, good for him. But yeah, there's there's videos on Twitter where you can see the angle better. Uh, I loved it. So anyway, um, MJF, he was of no help physically in this situation, but he got him, uh, he got it on the mic, daring anyone else in the crowd to try that. So they sat down, and there was immediate intensity uh, between them. It's You could see in Jericho's eyes how intense he was about this. MJF said Jericho's here groveling for one more match, saying it, it's sad, but it's understandable because everyone wants a piece of the king of AEW. Then Jericho put uh, took the mic. There were... I, it seems that there were Y2J chants from some people who are living in the past. Uh, Jericho shut them up saying Y2J died a long time ago. Uh, then he uh, made us all laugh by saying he's he should have let that fat explicit come into the ring and beat MJF's ass. Uh, he said he would accept any stipulation, a Mack truck, or having sex with your mother. Again. Uh, then we had a who's your daddy chant at MJF from the crowd. Uh, MJF said Jericho wouldn't rattle him because that's what the people want and he doesn't care uh, what they want. He used to look up to Jericho following every step of his career, including the John Moxley feud. Uh, Jericho, so he said that during the John Moxley feud, Jericho made moxley wrestle every person in the inner circle and mjf is going to take that blueprint and make it better mjf loves greek mythology growing up can't you just imagine that uh him bringing the old encyclopedias to school um and his favorite story was the labors of hercules so jericho is going to have five labors the first four will be opponents of mjf's choosing with unique stipulations Jericho will have to win them all back to back to back. The fifth match that he gets, if he wins them all, is MJF. And when he beats Jericho for a third time, maybe he'll learn that MJF is better than him and he knows it. Jericho accepts it because he is the god of battle, the god of thunder, and the god of war in AEW. He is going to beat MJF and ruin his life, and that ain't no mythology. Uh, Jericho then signed the agreement. Uh, MJF stopped Jericho from leaving, saying a deal is not done until both parties shake hands. He demanded Jericho shake his hand or the deal's off. MJF shook Jericho's hand, wouldn't let go, and pulled him in for the Judas effect. I give this segment five stars. Five stars for this segment. I thought it was wonderful. Now, the bit at the beginning, of course, was uh, not meant to happen and should never ever happen again but 
it was, uh, I had to rewind. I had to rewind back. But the actual segment between the two of them, they both did a great job. Jericho in particular did a great job because he had, as I said, like that intensity in his eyes, but then taking that more, that very, very serious route did not make him any less Chris Jericho because he still got in there like sex with your mother joke and stuff like that, but delivering it in a way where it wasn't overly comedic, like taken away from the moment at all. MJF, I think, did a great job too. There's stipulations. So no specific matches were announced, but it's there's got to be Jericho versus Wardlow in this. It's got to happen. There is no way you could not have that as one of the stipulations. And what kind of stipulation would that match have? Like, ah! But Jericho versus Wardlow is the match I have been waiting for. And I'm so excited. I really think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen soon. Uh, let's see what you guys are saying. Ibby, never understand why fans come into the ring. you got these massive ass athletes. You're asking for a beating, indeed. I see a lot of you talking about the, the commercial break. Um, Matthew says, Steph Jericho is facing every Pinnacle member. You know what that means. You get your wish. I am getting my wish. I know I'm getting my wish. It is coming true. Oh, my gosh. The same rumors that MJF's going to turn it into Jericho having to run through the inner circle instead of beating the Pinnacle. What? That would be such a good idea. Except I wouldn't get my match then. That would be such a good idea, but then I wouldn't get my match. No. Who's rumoring that? No. Let me speak to creative, please. Yeah, MJF didn't say pinnacle members, but wrestlers of his choosing. Interesting. Well, it, it is interesting. I thought, I thought they were just not, you know, fully, oh, no. Like, I know that he didn't say Pinnacle specifically, and I picked up on that, but ne but it never occurred to me that maybe it's because he's going to have to face the Inner Circle members. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, okay, in that case, can we substitute Sean Spears for Wardlow, please? No, not Sean Spears for Wardlow. Who could we substitute from the inner circle? Let's substitute Jake Hager for Wardlow because I want to see Hager fight Jericho. They have such a lovely relationship. You know, he's brought Hager out of his shell. Hager's like this lovable teddy now. I don't want to see that. Um, okay. Ivy <laughs> uh, B, I'm not that interested in MJF Jericho, but they always have entertaining promos, even if I find Jericho a little over the top sometimes. I think I didn't like that they had the MJF match be the fifth labor instead of the reward from completing the five labors, but that's likely just semantics. That is semantics still, but I did pick up on that as well. Um, I would, When he said that the fifth labor would be fighting him, I, I was like, are you sure that you've added that up correct, uh, Max? Um, to know if they do have Jericho Wardlow, I could see that be the beginning of the full-blown MJF Wardlow split. I think so as well. Uh, after going through the inner circle, fifth stipulation will be for Jericho to put his career on the line. I think that that could be coming because he did say maybe I shouldn't be in AEW if I can't beat you, Max. Jericho versus the inner circle. Terrible idea from bad creative, <laughs> says Anime. <laughs> well, guys. I was so excited that I'm going to get my match. Now my mind has been blown by the idea that he may actually have to face the inner circle. They will do this match at some point, okay? 
They will do this Wardlow match at some point. Darn. Darn. Um, maybe they will go, Bills Mafia says, maybe they will go Jericho versus Sammy Santana, Hager, and Wardlow is the insurance policy. Yeah, maybe. They just got to do this match. I'll never shut up about it. Anyway, wow, we we are at we are at the fifty three minute mark, and we're not even uh, we're not even finished dynamite. Okay, so Britt Baker was with Rebel backstage. She said the only positive that came out of last week's match was it was another win for her. But an innocent person, per Rebel, was hurt. Um, check out Alex McCarthy's interview with Britt Baker for more on that. She talked about ratings um, and the match only happened so Vicky could bring AEW Andrade. She told Cody Khan to enjoy his blood money. Maybe next week AEW could run a show in Saudi Arabia. Shots fired. Woo! Um, and then she said that Nyla Rose is never getting her title back. She's not just sending Rose to the back of the line. She's sending her back to the security. Uh, she said that Dallas is known as the Big D. Wasn't sure where she was going about that, but then she said next week they're going to call it the Big DMD. Um, really, really great from Brit as usual. Brit was on fire. Next, speaking of Vicky Grow, she accompanied Andrade uh, El Idolo to the ring as he defeated Matt Seidel. He came out with his um, traditional mask on. Uh, he was in this pinstripe suit, which I know, like. It looked cool, but it kind of gave me baseball vibes as well. He, We got to the end of this match with Andrade uh, with running knees in the corner, hit the hammerlock DDT, which is now called the El Idolo, for the win. Um, after the match, Andrade tied up Sadel's arm in a belt and wrenched on it. Um, as, as far as debut goes, um, this was fine, but it wasn't like set the world on fire. Um, and I think that Andrade has just not set the world on fire since he's come to AW. A lot of that is to do with his presentation. We talked a lot last week about Vicky Guerrero being a part of this act uh, and how it's not really the direction that a lot of us would have gone with Andrade. Um, I don't want to say that he came across as just a guy in this match, but he was as close to being just a guy as you could be without being just a guy is probably the kindest way I could put it. Uh, next up, we had uh, a video promo between Christian and Matt Hardy. Uh, basically, they will have a match at Fighter Fest night one. All I can say is, thank God. Um, I'm not anticipating this match like I am Jericho Wardlow. I am saying thank God because hopefully we can move on from this Christian and Matt Hardy feud that I have not been enjoying uh, at all. It's been like the low point of AW for me uh, since it started. So let's get this match over with. Move on, move on. Christian can go on to bigger and better things in the company. Now, here's another bit that you will all want to talk about. We had Arn Anderson in the ring with Tony Schiavone to do a promo. It seemed to be a promo just about how great life is right now. So good for you, Arn Anderson. But then we had the lights go off, like we saw in the Cody match when the lights came back on. Alistair Black, Tommy End was in the ring. He hit the black mass, spinning heel kick on Aaron. Cody ran out to start him down, but he got a black mass as well. Uh, on commentary, uh, he was referenced as Tommy End, but he is now Malachi Black, um, and he left the main. Uh, he had um, some interesting makeup on the face, and his Marilyn Manson eye. I think that this was... 
a very exciting way to do, to debut someone. It was certainly better than the debut that Andrade got for sure. At least they didn't bring out Alistair Black with Vicky Guerrero. And I think that I'm just going to see how it goes with with Malachi Black because I just worry about some of his creative ideas and I only worry about that because of the the creative ideas that he's had that he spent lots of time talking about on Twitch uh, prior to signing with AW that apparently Vince McMahon was super down for except for the fact that he got released but anyway but I think that there's a lot of excitement among fans about Malachi Black coming in here uh he is he is a very good wrestler uh, he was very good in NXT um I actually have a doll of him that I got free uh, at a WWE show once. Maybe this is now worth money because he is no longer Alistair Black. So that might be going on eBay this weekend. I can see though from the comments that you guys are really, really enjoying it. Noel says, until we got Malachi Black come out and massacre Aaron and Cody, I was wondering why Aaron was out there. We all were to know, we all were, but sometimes it's just good to hear an older gentleman um, talk about how good life is. Anime says, Black Mass is a sin eater per Tommy's Twitch stream. Thank you for that information. I'm certainly not going to be one that be watching the Twitch stream of Tommy End. <laughs> um, Carissa says, I'm so happy for Tommy. Hopefully this feud with to uh, Cody doesn't become doggish. Uh, you know, it is cool to debut him in a feud with Cody because Cody's one of our top stars. However, we know that Cody can sometimes get bored of feuds very quickly and want to move on. So it'd be interesting to see how this progresses. Please, let's not make it um, a uh, Netherlands versus USA thing uh, <laughs> at all, but let's not also make it magical. Um, but yeah, we're interested to see how Cody does in, in this type of feud because he, he should, Malachi Black will be someone that Cody's needs to try and get over it should be more about the the storytelling of the feud and maybe we can get back to cody doing those great storylines that we really really get invested in um mikhas saying i'm aware of black but never seen him wrestle because i haven't watched wwe since 2014 good for you man i hope he's good so we will see where it goes i hope it works out for AEW. um exactly uh, bills mafia says i trust tony khan to rein tommy in tony khan has publicly stated he doesn't like magical things even the broken gimmick he isn't a big fan of and that is why I am a big fan of Tony Khan because we're in the same wavelength there. And you know what? If it turns out that Malachi Black isn't any good, I'm sure Tony Khan can get a refund. I'm sure he can get a refund. Uh, Tanov says, we'll say the reaction that Black got from the crowd was absolutely massive and much bigger than I expected, to be honest. Oh, his YouTube video hit 1 million, so there's a ton of interest. There is um, there is a ton of interest that cannot be denied um, indeed. Is Malachi an alter ego of Tommy? His commentators didn't hit hard at Malachi. Yeah, it, it seems it seems to be, which is kind of where I, I start getting worried about possession and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> uh, Tanol, gotta say the biggest negative of the Black Cody angle is that I can't come up with a big name opponent for Miro. Um, uh, both with both Cody and Hangman uh, going out. Yeah, we know Miro on the show. Who is the next big opponent? for Miro, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe an Andrade, maybe, maybe we could work to that. Okay, next, um, we have Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander. It's a mixed tag match, defeating the Blade and the Bunny. Statlander hit her area 50, area uh, 50, 5 4 area 51. I don't, 
<laughs> sorry, on a blade, but Buddy pulled orange out of the ring on the pin. Uh, blade produced brass knuckles and hit orange with the right hand, but Statlander made the tag. Statlander pushed Bunny into blade and hit the Big Bang Theory for the win. Um, this is pretty chaotic, um, but enjoyable. Um, really like Chris Statlander continuing since she's come back. She's been really, really, really good. Um, and also, of course, Orange Cassidy is proper entertaining. Uh, so, yeah, I just like this. And I just love Chris Statlander um, being with the best friends. And I think that you all should get really invested in the big in the best friends, you know, within the next couple of weeks for reasons. Um, we saw earlier today the AW official awarded Jungle Boy uh, with a trophy for becoming the first roster member to reach 50 victories. Very cute. Nice to see that they're properly acknowledging uh, this. I thought it was very sweet. Next, we had a bizarre but wonderful segment. Bizarre but wonderful. Tony Schiavone was at ringside with Dan Lambert, who was there with Jorge Mas Masvidal and Amanda Nunez. And he has been in MLW at Impact before, so he is known to wrestling fans. He was like, oh, I came here, but I wasn't told I was going to be doing an interview. So he starts cutting a promo about how he was skeptical about AEW because AEW sucks. He started being old, talking about how it's better in the old days. Old school wrestlers were better. He talked about what Tony Khan did to put over the company to him, saying that AEW is great. We've got loads of styles and stuff uh, from Legends to Up and Comers. Um, and then he was basically like, well, that's not true because I'm having a crap time. And then Lance Archer, who's always looking for something to do, uh, ran out with Jake Roberts and uh, decked him and then hit the blackout. Um, it, this was like out of nowhere why they did this segment. However, I thought it was really, really good. Dan Lambert is an amazing promo. If it, if he, like if it wasn't for the fact that AW is full of such good promos, I would say don't put this guy on TV because he's going to show up your whole company. It's, you know, that's what happened when Pat McAfee came to NXT to do promos. But luckily we have the talent in AW, so it's fine. Uh, but yeah, this is just great. You gotta laugh always though at Lance Archer, who just seems to wander the the, the halls backstage looking for something to get involved with. And this time it was it, it was this uh, Dan Lambert who was playing very much a Jim Cornette or a uh, Pete Rose. It reminded me of you remember when Kane went after Pete Rose. Uh, uh, he was very much taking on that persona. So yes, Bills Mafia says the clownette shade was phenomenal. I loved it. Indeed, everyone should be clowning on Jim Cornette. We are on the main event. Don Callis joined the commentary team. We had the Young Bucks defeating Eddie Kingston and Penta. Um, and this was a street fight. This was crazy. So I'm just going to point out some of the notable bits. Eddie Kingston was wearing a Terry Funk shirt. Um, just want to give our best wishes out to Terry uh, Funk. Um, yeah, he, he is dealing with some health issues. Uh, very nice to see Kingston out there in the in the Funkers shirt. This is very much a PWG match. So notable spots. Penta running destroyer on map through a table at ringside. Kingston sent through a table during commercial. Uh, Kingston getting a sleeper on Matt, but Nick hit a 450 splash on the referee as Matt tapped out. Uh, then we had 
Good Brothers, of course, got involved. Matt later tried to get Cutler to spray Penta with the cold spray, but Frankie Kazarian appeared and powerbombed Cutler through a table. We had Penta and Kingston hitting the Fear Factory, followed by spinning backfish, uh, fist visual pin. But by the time the official came out, Nick pulled him out of the ring on the count. Uh, Kazarian was attacking the Bucks, but the Good Brothers took him out with a magic killer. Kingston produced thumb attacks, and Penta hit Matt with a trash can. Penta and Nick uh, fought on the top rope. Nick hit a avalanche hurricane runner on Penta, who landed in the tax. Kingston broke the cover at two. Uh, Kingston took stereo super kicks. Bucks threw Tax in to Penta's face. Matt put Tax in Kingston's mouth and Kingston ate a super kick as the Bucks covered and retained. Wow. This was one heck of a match. This was very, very good. Very, very exciting. It was nice to see, you know, we did not get the win here. Uh, the title change for Kent, uh, Kingston and Penta. But visual pin visual tap art so they they were not in any way buried and they also got the win last week but really really good i know you guys have a lot to say here i'm just going back on the comments um matthew says by god this match humped a canadian destroyer off the apron through a table bills mafia the young bucks said in their bar they would that they'd only shave the mustaches because their wives wouldn't sleep with them <laughs> wow Wow. Um, to know, God, I admit, I thought Moxley was going to come out when the Good Brothers got involved to further the hype for the Carl Anderson match. I also thought that Moxley was going to get involved um, as well. But maybe, you know, the guy's new dad. It was a bit far from travel from Vegas to Miami just to do a, a run-in. Bills Matthews says this was hardcore PWG at its finest. Jana Zeeb says, Young Bucks to lose the title all out, but to whom? Dark Order or Santana and Ortiz? Santana and Ortiz. Um, yeah. I think Santana and Ortiz are next AW Tag Team Champions. At least that's what I hope uh, happens once they beat FTR. <laughs> next week on Dynamite Fighter Fest Night 1, we have a coffin match. Darby Allen versus Ethan Page. We have for the FTW Championship, Brian Cage going up against Ricky Starks. We have Christian Cage versus Matt Hardy. We have Yuka Sakazaki versus Penelope Ford. Uh, both those uh, girls, uh, women returning to Dynamite. Uh, we have John Moxley versus Carl Anderson for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. And we have Hangman Page doing a promo. What the heck is going to be the main event here? This is so stacked. This is so stacked. Coffin match, FTW Championship match, IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship match. My gosh, I, I say open with uh, Moxley and versus Carl Anderson, and let's end with a coffin match. That will be cool. End with a coffin match. Uh, but that is it from me for this week. We have we have gone over an hour here because we had such an amazing edition of dynamite to talk about and from reading next week's card i think we're going to have the same thing next week it's going to be another amazing edition of aw uh, dynamite so thank you all so much for joining me next week thank you it has been a super fun show and i will catch you next time yeah.